0: Hi everyone. This is Ronnie with Everything Vive, and I'm here today speaking with two gentlemen from uh, One Hamza, the studio behind uh, Racket NX. Uh, Asif and, and Dave are both here with me. Hi, gentlemen. How are you guys doing today?
1: Hey. Very good. Very yeah, good. How very are
0: you? Uh, doing great. So I, I'm excited to talk about Racket NX because this is a game actually that I've been playing for quite a while. I was. Uh, just to give you a little bit of background on when I I I was looking at at Steam to try to figure out exactly when you had first released, and it, it looked like you had a demo out as far back as like mid two thousand sixteen. I'm not sure if it was even earlier than that, but I jumped on board. I I I purchased the game on early access back in February of two thousand seventeen. So I yeah, nice. yeah, so I so I had the game for a while, and I I actually you know uh, heard that you guys were 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 releasing the you know, the official, you know, release, the, the build in, in July of this year, 2018. And so I, I thought, man, this would be a great opportunity to, to get a chance to talk to you guys after the release and, and find out, you know, more about the game. Because really, I mean, and, and we'll get into this more in, in just a moment. Uh, and X is probably one of the most polished games that I've played uh, in any of the high-end VR headsets. I mean, as far as, like, from a gameplay standpoint as well as, like, audio-visuals, I mean, really, uh, it's kind of on a, on a level all to its own. So I wanted to congratulate you guys on, on such wonderful work. And, and yeah. Thanks and, a
2: lot. It means a lot to, uh, to hear that. Yeah.
0: So, Thank you. So, yeah, no, of course. The, the pleasure's all mine to be able to speak with you guys. So um, if you could just, uh, you know, for our listeners, kind of give us uh, your backgrounds how you got into VR? How you started uh, One Hamza, and you know the story behind Racket and X.
1: Uh, yeah, sure. So Racket and X actually started as a tech demo, um, as part of a cooperation between uh, us and uh, a company uh, named uh, Waves Audio, um, which is uh, quite famous. Uh, in the in the pro audio community for uh, um, uh, manufacturing and uh, creating uh, pro audio plugins for the music industry, um, so they um, they asked us um, early 2016 to create a tech demo for a new plugin they developed, um, which is called NX. Um, this plugin. Um, Provides uh, 360 uh, degrees uh, audio, um, what what we call special audio, and uh, they wanted um, they wanted to demo it, and um, and that was actually the starting point for this project. Um, it started as a, as kind of a jam before uh, uh, CES 2016. And uh, the results were uh, so positive that um, it actually uh, pushed Waves um, hmm. to, move, to move on together with us and uh, um, turn Racket into a full-blown game.
0: Huh. So just curious, I mean, what was, what was your background up to that point? Like, why did, why did Waves seek out you guys specifically, do you think, for, for this type of... Because obviously that was very early on in VR, so I'm, I'm just kind of curious how that partnership started. Yeah
2: so um, I I guess for us we've been working uh, as friends on games of our own in our extra time for like uh, maybe five
1: five years yeah
2: five years we met we met at a game jam at a global game jam to be specific and we kind of uh, fell in love with each other and we've been developing things on the side since then and so um This is really like the side projects that we've been developing during this time are really what allowed us to claim any merit uh, towards Waves and really kind of show them that we might actually know what we're doing. So that's first of all some prerequisite Mm. and if anyone who is listening is aspiring, uh, is an aspiring game developer or game artist or whatever, the advice that I always give is do as much as you can extracurricularly and uh, just uh, if you want to have some some job in the future you really need to prove to the world that you can do it and you have to invest your own time in that
1: exactly don't don't wait for them to come to you but uh, j- just do it just yeah. start by own
2: yeah but uh, back to the uh, back to the issue um, we We had some friends in waves and uh, who are basically as uh, as technically enthusiastic as ourselves. And uh, when they were when they started um, understanding what they need to do with the NX plugin and that VR is probably the best way to to uh, uh, feature it, then they uh, contacted us, and of course we were very enthusiastic about it as well. This was an opportunity to get into VR that was just starting out, and we were extremely excited about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and things really clicked well from the very beginning with, with regards to that. I think we started working just like a few months after we started talking about it initially, yeah. a very short time, it was just like touch and go.
1: So to, to, our, to our credit, I can say that um, from the very beginning um, we told Waves that it's going to be a game. Um, yeah, we were
2: aiming at making a game from the beginning.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it took them a couple of months to, 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 to get it and uh, to see how serious we were. But, uh, uh, but again,
2: maybe it's worth mentioning here that this is the same kind of attitude I was just mentioning uh, a few sentences ago. It's just like always do the extra because otherwise things don't happen and if we didn't uh, approach this uh, opportunity to do a demo for NX as an opportunity to to make a game and if we didn't do the extra few miles which were actually more than an extra few miles because we invested a lot of our own time and effort in this mm-hmm. then not be able to prove to Waves that there is real potential to make a game here and to use that game to uh, um, uh, show their technology in a favorable way. Mm-hmm. And so it would probably end it in a technical demo if that is all that we would be uh, uh, aspiring to at that
1: point. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah we basically pushed a 25 years old company that specializes in creating pro-audio plugins uh, to be <laughs> a publisher.
0: So. Yeah,
2: for the
1: first time in
0: the, for the <laughs> That's amazing. So, so, so right away, I mean, they, they obviously were interested in, in getting into VR and, and all of that. Um, you know, from, from your standpoint, what did that technology like it, when, when, when you knew that this was the task in front of you to create a game that also utilized this, this audio technology? Um, what was the, the development process like to figure out what type of a gameplay experience would work best with, with, that, with that in mind?
2: Yeah, so it actually changed a little bit uh, from the tech demo to, to the first demo that you played. And yeah, you were correct. The first demo did actually come out somewhere in mid-2016. Uh, initially, the onus was very heavily on audio itself. And the idea was uh, there's no way you can play this without audio. So if you're familiar with the game, one of the features in the game is uh, portals, where there's uh, parts of the wall, if you hit the ball into them, they kind of disappear and appear randomly in some other part around you. Mm-hmm. And audio really helps you uh, uh, locate them and know where they're coming from. So in the original demo, this was kind of uh, one of the
1: major things. Yeah, one of the major features. Because it yeah.
2: really put forth uh, NX's ability to pinpoint uh, audio spatially. Mm-hmm. But uh, the more it became a game, the more these mechanics were uh, basically gave way to game mechanics, mm-hmm. and in the final version, we actually hardly use portals because they really kill the game's flow. Mm-hmm. And we feel that the game is robust enough to show Enix in a favorable light, even without it being so uh, without it spoon feeding the players, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And yeah. of course, our own motivation was ha- make a good game, mm-hmm. uh, whereas in the beginning, it was make a good demo for NX.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that was basically our premise uh, to Waze from the very beginning. Uh, we said, if you want us to help uh, push your brand, uh, your plug-in brand for, for, uh, for the matter, the best thing we can do is to create the, an awesome gaming experience that will expose your capabilities. Mm-hmm. And uh,
2: so, so the tricky part was really, uh, at least in terms of the initial conception, to come up with a concept that on the one hand is very heavy in displaying the NX uh, abilities mm-hmm. and yet has the basic mechanics that will allow us to uh, to fully develop it into a game um, if Waves were indeed so inclined.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, and and, and early on, correct, correct me if I'm wrong, but was, was the title originally released just for Steam and the Vive or or was it, did it include Oculus support from the beginning? I just wasn't, I guess when you guys initially launched, uh, the Oculus Touch hadn't been released yet, correct? Yeah, yeah the, the
1: demo and Early Access 1 uh, was uh, Vive exclusive. Um, okay. And uh, yeah, o- Oculus uh, joined the party, I think, July 2017, something like that. Uh, okay, Cause, yeah, because just
0: something that's like popping into my brain, trying to think of all these Timelines and everything is the fact that I guess when you guys released on the Vive originally, there wasn't any kind of deluxe audio head strap or anything like that for the Vive. So uh, uh-huh. was it was it challenging at all to, to make sure that players were, especially early on in the demo stages, making sure to tell them to, to wear headphones or something like that to, to really take advantage of the spatial audio features or what was... Well, I-
2: the game from the very beginning has two warnings at the beginning, or two, like, notes. One of them is be really careful, mm-hmm. because uh, as opposed to other games, <laughs> uh, this is a 360-degree game, yep. uh, and uh, I, I'm it's glad to say that, that players usually get into it, and then uh, it's easy to... To forget about yourself for a little bit and hit stuff. Yep. This was especially true in the beginning, where people weren't yet used to VR. But it's still true to a certain degree.
0: Yeah.
2: And the other, the other note was uh, use your audio. Um, so we we kind of tried uh, hammering that in at the beginning of the game. You have this uh, these two notes showing clearly. Uh, probably if we would have done it now, it would have been more visually shown, etc. Mm. But really in VR because the experience is all about immersion or in a large part about immersion you don't really find yourself having to tell people to put headphones on it's kind of the default
0: okay okay no that's good to yeah and i guess i guess getting a little bit into the gameplay itself because obviously that was a a major focus for you guys just from day one uh, making sure that that the game was fun um what was it like I guess, balancing player skill versus accessibility in an early VR title? Because like you were mentioning, uh, people were not only new to your game, but they were new to the medium as a whole. So what, did, what advantages that did that give you as a developer to kind of open the, the field, but what also did you guys want to do to, to kind of ease people into the experience?
2: Um... So let's talk just about the physics for a moment and the basics mecha- mechanics of the game. So I'm disregarding the game rules for the time being. Sure, sure. Just uh, like what you should be hitting with the ball, what you shouldn't, and just focusing on like the racket itself, the ball itself, yeah. the arena. Um, one of the feedbacks that we've been getting the most from the beginning is that uh, a lot of people um, showed this game as the go-to game for introducing yeah. people into VR. Mm-hmm. and the reason for that is that the in its most rudimentary premise you have a racket you have a ball and everyone knows what to do about it mm-hmm. all right mm-hmm. so 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 the very very basic settings and this is also kind of was kind of necessary because this is where VR was when we initially conceptualized the game is the settings that that is relatively known from from real world uh, experience real world, real world. From real-world mechanics. Yeah. <laughs> From the mechanics of reality. And, um, and and so I think that on the very rudimentary level, um, it's kind of self-explanatory. The game rules, on the other hand, is something that uh, isn't as clear to explain. They're not complicated, mm-hmm. but they're not easily explained. And this is something actually one of our biggest... Uh, um, Um, uh, Let's say lessons from Racket We can talk about that later a little bit if you're interested Mm -hmm. Um, But going back to your original question regarding mastery and nuance and skill um, from the very get-go, we saw Racket as a game of skill. It's a mechanical game, there's very little lore, there's very little narrative. It's about mechanics, it's a sport game. One of the things that, to me, I find like, uh, maybe the the, the, the the most rewarding about Racket is the uh, your personal improvement curve as a player. You go in the first time, you kind of muck things up. Second time you're in, you already feel like you can really control things. Third time around, you feel like uh, like you're really uh, learning a new motor skill. Mm-hmm. So besides the fact that that is healthy and good for your brain and something that I find valuable as, as a human being, I think that it's also like the major driving reward factor in the game. It's just improving, feeling you get this, this control, this flow, this mm-hmm. kind of uh, communion with the ball and the racket. Mm-hmm. That, that's always been our highest priority. How do we put players in flow? And how do we make the game simple enough so that they can really focus on the mechanics, but uh, uh, sophisticated enough so that there's always more skill and nuance to develop, and that nuance actually matters? Mm-hmm. If I hit the ball slightly like this or slightly like that, it actually makes a difference in the in the more advanced stages of the game.
0: And and going off of uh, off of that idea for a moment, like you talked about, you know, making sure that the mechanics on one hand were natural and kind of intuitive for players. That It felt like a real world interaction so that you didn't really have to, you know, kind of figure things out from square one from the beginning. But, but like you said, there's also, you, it, it seems like you guys took really advantage of what the VR medium allows you to do in terms of you, you stretched those physics to like kind of extraordinary kind of you, the player has an ability to control the ball in ways that you wouldn't be able to do in real life. Like the the most immediate changes actually that I noticed from playing one of the early demos to to how the game plays now, uh, things like being able to pull the ball back to your racket, um, be, being able to kind of uh, twist the ball in a way, like when you hit the ball at at certain angles where the ball actually you know will kind of track along the wall and hit multiple, uh, uh, you know, panels before coming back to you, yeah. like all that stuff feels really great. And, and like you said, like as a player, you get that feeling that I, that it was you that, you know, it was your skill that, that that made the ball do what you're trying to get it to do. Like what, what were some of those things that you added to the real world <laughs> physics that, you know, you wouldn't be able to do in a real world racquetball game uh, that made the game as fun as it is? So, so first
2: of all, the trick about making it feel like it was actually your skill that managed, that let you land that shot. Yeah, is have it actually be your, your skill,
0: skill.
2: <laughs> <laughs> right? So it's always been um, for us. It's always been like, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna make things. Um, we. We
1: start from reality, but but we take it one step further.
2: Yeah, I, I think there's a couple of things that we can say about the physics and what we did with them. First of all is uh, our approach was trying to understand intentionality and only filling in the blanks when uh, you feel that something should have happened but didn't. So for example, uh, the racket's coll- uh, collision box, right, where what detects whether or not it hit the ball, uh, changes slightly dynamically according to the speed and the distance the racket has from you because oftentimes we'd notice that even though you feel you should have hit the ball, you didn't, mm. even though physically you shouldn't have hit the ball, all right? Mm. So there's mm-hmm. a bunch of little things like that. The ball always returns to your general uh, vicinity, for example, that's also not physically accurate, mm. Yeah. all right? Mm-hmm. But there's a bunch of things that uh, um, don't um, go into the realms of like uh, aim assist or stuff like that, um, but definitely keep the game a little more, um, uh, let's say, uh, um, uh, predictable.
0: Mm-hmm, all right,
2: mm-hmm. in terms of like uh, what the how the physics reacts to what you do. Mm-hmm. Then like the two mechanics that you mentioned, uh, one of them is uh, the the trigger, the the pull mechanic, or what we call the tractor beam, and the other is what we call a power shot that mm-hmm. lets the ball out of the walls. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't actually know exactly the evolution of those things. I mean, I remember part of how they were conceived and all that. But It was just kind of saying, all right, we have these basic dynamics here. Uh, we have these basic physics in there that are like the real world, but I- I'm not interested in the real world. This is VR. What yeah. else can I do?
1: Exactly. That, that's the premise uh, for us. I mean, to, to be, being able to do things that you can do in, in real world.
2: Yeah, so, so there's a lot of... Uh, um, one of the things that I, I, I'm personally pretty perplexed by is a lot of realistic simulators in VR, mm. where you're just kind of trying to emulate a real-life experience yes. mm, that you could get in real life quite easily. <laughs> yeah. Uh, something that like... So what, why would you use uh, VR? Yeah, I don't... I don't <laughs> <get it. laughs>
0: no, that makes uh, a lot of sense.
2: Yeah, but, but one more thing I'd like to say about that. Um, I think uh, we've been, like, from the very first jam where we kind of tried figuring out what the game was, uh, there was a certain uh, mental framework that we've been trying to stick by, and that's been, like, trying to capitalize on the system's uh, strong points and trying to own its weak points. And how that comes to play in terms of physics, for example, is, so the, the, the strong points of the Vive, um, and the Oculus 2, actually, is really good tracking that means you can afford to have really nuanced physics. Mm, mm-hmm. So that's on the one hand there's more but that's like maybe the major thing. Mm-hmm. The other the, the the weak spot is maybe locomotion. locomotion yeah. And mm-hmm. you'll see that in racket the, the whole game is built about around the fact that you don't need to move around. Mm-hmm. We don't we don't really like locomotion as it is in VR yet. We feel like it hasn't been really cracked yet even Mm -hmm. though we're trying our own stuff and we see everyone's uh, attempts to do it and some are better than others Mm -hmm. it's still the weakest point in the system as far as i can tell yeah and uh, and in racket we were just kind of all right let's not try solving everything at once let's own this weakness and just say that you actually don't you actually don't need to move around if you have a two by two meters play space uh, and you're not too flaily uh, you can actually play the game without any problem whatsoever, and you don't need to move around.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. the better you get in the game, the less you need to move. You can just spin around 360, yeah. and uh, yeah.
0: No, that's yeah, that, interesting. So, so I mean, uh, something that you mentioned uh, while you were while you were talking was you know taking advantage of. Of, of the VR medium, like not just recreating. And, and I, I know you did that from a mechanic standpoint, adding in uh, all types of extra control for the player and all of that. Uh, another thing, though, that really makes the game stand out is, is the audio and visuals, like, like we had kind of mentioned on the audio front. Um, but mm-hmm. looking at the, the visuals specifically, there's something about what you guys created here that, I mean, more so than, than, than most other games that I've played, there's just something about the, the graphics that really pop and like it's hard to explain because, like I said, I've seen like I've tried hundreds of games in VR, right? And there's there's other games that take a similar approach to you guys. That's kind of more you know stylized, not necessarily flat, like, but like but like but you know there are a lot of developers out there that kind of understand that you know you don't want things to be too confusing to the players, and you want to make things bright and obvious so that so that they know what's going on. Um, but something about the way you guys you know approached it not only does it perform really well but everything looks super high fidelity and and really like i mean it like i said i can't think of anything besides just saying that every the, those glows and the colors they really just like jump out at you while you're playing uh, can you talk a little bit about about how you developed the visuals and the graphic style for the game
2: Sure. Um, so, first of all, thank you. Uh, yeah. <laughs> personally, because personally, that's also been like my my domain in the game. Uh, so, uh, there's two aspects to this. And uh, the first one is more uh, technical, maybe. And that's more relating to what you asked. And if you're interested, we can get to the second one as well. But let's sure. start with the, the, the easier part. Okay. Um, uh, so, we've been pretty... We've had it pretty easy. Because rackets premise doesn't require characters and vast landscapes and things that you can find in games like, I don't know, Quiver or Raw Data or any of these kind of games, all right? Mm -hmm. So whenever you're approaching something that um, people know from real life, uh, especially in VR, since you have really short production cycles, really low budgets, and really, really high performance uh, requirements, mm-hmm. that, that that can really put you in a difficult position. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so we've been pretty lucky in that respect, in that the game is very arcadey in its very essence, and that allows you to kind of stylize things as you as you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing is. Um, uh, very early on we noticed that one of the weak points of vr as much as it's fun the first time is that the displays are pretty low resolution mm-hmm. and anti aliasing is pretty weak and super sampling is pretty expensive mm-hmm. so so from the very beginning it was it was clear to me that we need to work with relatively big shapes mm-hmm. uh, relatively high contrast Mm-hmm. Uh, we can't leave too much to just uh, s- the smooth fidelity of screens and stuff like that because that just didn't exist very well in VR. So that was also a driving factor in the visuals. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so, uh, the, the last thing maybe on that is that um, because we have such a controlled environment in Racket, where it's not an open world, it's this small world that's built around you, etc., it really allowed us to to cheat on every front. So. Every piece uh, of, of, of uh, every object you see has its own shader that's been specifically defined for the angles that you see it in. Mm. <clears throat> the reflections are hand placed, and uh, all this kind of stuff is really. Uh, um, we kind of had it easy in that mm-hmm. respect.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, no, uh, yeah, because no, everything looks great. I mean, one of the things, like, I, I mean, I, I played the game obviously without messing with the settings first. And then afterwards went in and I, I have a, like I'm able to, to run the settings pretty high. Um, so I was, I cranked, I turned down the anti-aliasing actually and then turned up the super sampling just to see how everything would perform. And the, the two things I noticed is one for me anyways, performance was the same. So I was able to crank up the super sampling and it still performed great on my system. But then the second thing is really like it, it looked better, but it, I think it, it made me realize how great it looked to begin with. Even without the super sampling, cool. so uh, I mean, just, yeah. just one of those things. We spent that...
2: a lot of time in optimization. We actually got the game running at ninety frames per second on a Nuke.
0: Mm. And, yeah, uh, and <laughs> on,
2: on a WMR system, if yeah. I remember correctly. Yeah, yeah. Um, what, what
0: kind of GPU? Like I, 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 I'm familiar with it, but I don't know what kind of graphic capabilities it has.
2: I think it's a nine sixty or nine seventy, okay. but. Uh,
0: but I mean, actually, I'm not, the, I'm not sure which one. But uh,
2: yeah. but but actually, I think the bottleneck was the CPU. Yeah. Okay. Wow. <laughs> uh, yeah. 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 Um, and uh, again, um, not to take too much credit for this, because we do have a really closed environment. Um, but uh, yeah, it's just uh, a lot of optimizations. Uh, our partners, who are uh, tech guys, are really good at their jobs, mm. um, and uh, and that really helps. <laughs> Uh, and we always played the game on weak systems so that that's also uh, kind of forces you to do things in an optimized fashion
0: okay in terms of yeah because you I, I mean we spoke a little bit more about the technical side of things and I, I do want to mention like a lot of the little effects like how the reflectivity of the of the racket itself and all that that stuff all looks amazing so it yeah all those little all the little details I think really do shine in the final product Um yeah, thanks. but But talking, getting away from the technical side, more to like the choices you guys made stylistically. um, I mean, what what were some of the factors there?
2: All right, so um, there was a bit of a arc in the visuals. Uh, If any if any of the listeners uh, remember or have seen it, uh, the game actually came out with quite a different look and feel. Mm -hmm. It came out with this kind of rusty green. Uh, 80s retro kind of look to it mm-hmm. <clears throat> and uh, in early access too, which was uh, what uh, mid in, last, last year j- July, yeah, we July, actually 17. did a huge makeover for yeah. basically the entire yeah. game where the style went a lot more slick, sport sci-fi, uh, neon alright mm-hmm. mm-hmm. uh, the color palette changed, the materials changed, the, the UI changed the fonts changed, we really did a top down there um, and, um, so, so the thing that led up to that <clears throat> is that because of the nature of the development that we, uh, described earlier, where it started as a tech demo and really kind of opened up our budget a little bit at a time, we never got the opportunity to do things in a organized way where we have proper pre-production. We understand the what the game is about. We, um... We kind of derive an art Bible from that and do everything top-down. We never got the chance to do that. So it's been more of an evolutionary process. And in evolution, you kind of carry your mistakes, let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. So, so by the time we had the first early access build out, <clears throat> we found ourselves with a uh, visual style that, while seemed pretty coherent and seemed like it was pretty like solid, um, for me, as as the artist, I had a very hard time extrapolating it into more...
1: Yeah. It, it, it couldn't hold the <clears> amount of content, of extra content that we want to...
2: Yeah, suddenly we in. needed more UI, suddenly yeah. we needed more effects in the game, suddenly mm. we needed more visuals, and the visuals that we already had weren't solid enough, weren't coherent enough, didn't have... Uh, 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 strong enough underlying principles for me to derive uh, a wider uh, design. Mm. So, so I, I I kind of understood that I need to do a makeover. <laughs> um, the process was a little weird because um, I, I I knew I needed to do it for a while, and then uh, I flew. I had a short vacation in Italy. I came back, and the first week I was just a wreck. I was half depressed. I was hazy. I had like uh, my, my head hurt all day long. Oh, I, I thought, I thought it was caffeine withdrawal cause I stopped drinking coffee that week. Yeah. Okay. But it was just like I was having, a, a, in, in, in retrospect, it was, uh, it was just mental constipation. Oh, man. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> and then what happened was, um, uh, On the weekend of that week after all week I don't I don't know what the hell is happening and and why I can't think straight Uh, I went to this party which is common practice for me and came back home after I don't know six hours of dancing like a maniac (laughs) and and these are usually like my best moments for creativity okay and so so I come back home and before I even get to to go to the shower uh, this image dawns at me uh, in my mind And it's like a microwave going, ding, your food is ready. Just sit down and write this down. Um, And I just had this image of the logo for the game incorporating all the elements that I then at that moment understood need to be the core elements of the new design. So this was kind of brewing in my head for a week and kind of disabling all other function, apparently. Wow. (laughs) But uh, but it really it, it really came to me like a uh, revelation or or dictation which I, I love when that shit happens yeah and uh, and so um, and I came that, that the beginning of the next week I just came to work with this image uh, of a, of a new logo I showed it to everyone explained what the elements were and why and what uh, their significance is <laughs> and how each one of the elements communicates. Uh, one of the aspects that we want the games brand to communicate, so hmm. uh, sport and uh, arcade and sci-fi, basically, and mm-hmm. slick, mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and then there was a process of a few months where it was just um, disseminating this principle into practice, hmm. uh, and uh, and just uh, c- converting this initial vision into practicality. Uh, and we got, we got a bunch of conflicting feedback when we came out. Uh, A lot of people were, uh, were pretty pissed at us. (laughs) We're like, where's my green tiles? Where's the, this, where's the, that? (laughs) I think 90% of them completely converted after playing for a few hours. And I was pretty relieved about that. (laughs) Uh, some people still preferred the original, the original, uh, scheme. And I, I, I totally, I I liked it as well. I loved it and I, I I missed parts of it as well. Mm. Uh, But it was simply not scalable, Uh, at least I couldn't
0: scale it. Yeah, yeah. no, 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 continue, please.
2: No, that's basically it. Uh, The moment I had a good, um, like, uh, uh, first principles, let's call it, for for the visual design, it wasn't an easy process, but uh, it was uh, doable. Uh, it was scalable. It was coherent. It was comprehensible. So, and and yeah. if
0: you could speak to that a little bit more, like what was the what what type of scalability were you looking? At? Like I know you mentioned it a little bit before, like as far as like theming and kind of pulling everything together, but was it just like having having a core, like a, a UI that could allow for all these different types of modes that were in your head? Like what were you thinking this the game needed to become that was being held back?
2: Yeah, I I don't remember. So, first of all, I I didn't really like the logo. It felt pretty amateurish. But, uh, either that, there were just a few areas that that needed work mm-hmm. or that were going to need work and that I was kind of stumped uh, on. So one of them was UI. And we had a really, really, really basic UI in the beginning and also very uninspired, I felt. Mm. And um, and that was a huge domain that I just didn't have the tools with the existing UI to develop. Mm. Then there were a bunch of game elements that I found it difficult to, to develop. Uh, new hex types, uh, like uh, new uh, um, tile types. Mm-hmm. Um, power-ups, which we wanted to start implementing. It took us longer than we intended, but we started thinking about them already then. Um, I don't remember specifically what other elements were, like the big ones that I couldn't extrapolate, but there were there were a bunch of them. Um, I, yeah, uh, basically it was just... Uh, we got to the limit we, of what the previous we, design allowed.
1: We, we redid the entire arena, actually.
2: We did the... Ah, yeah, that's actually true. We, yeah. we redid the entire arena. Yeah. I, I think there was kind of a conceptual shift as well, because um, for this... Uh, I think maybe one of the key words for us going from Early Access 1 to Early Access 2 is flow, mm-hmm. all right? The mm-hmm. first Early Access, the ball would bounce around a lot before reaching, you, yeah. before reaching you back. There were lots of portals that really killed the rhythm. Um, the the plow mechanic, where the ball kind of plows the walls when you power shot it, where you know the the ball often just bumped into the edge of the arena and bumped back to you. Mm-hmm. So it was it was very like a staccato kind of gameplay, you know, very this disjoint uh, breakbeat kind of uh, rhythm. Yeah. Uh, and I really really wanted to to change that and make the game a lot more fluid and give it the rhythm that is necessary for you to really get into the zone.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So, so, so one of the things we did is open the arena up, curve the walls, make everything more flowy, more round, yeah. less bouncy, make the ball come back to you a lot faster, mm-hmm. uh, move a bunch of the portals, and then this was also a concept that I tried uh, uh, communicating through the visual design. So everything is a lot slick, a lot more slick, a lot cleaner, a lot more flowy. It's still an arcade, it's still sci-fi, it's still sports. So there's some blockiness to it and some sharp edges, and it's dynamic. But uh, but uh, we, yeah, I think that's maybe one of the
1: the keywords of that. Uh, of the, the difference between early access one and two, yeah. If I remember correctly, we also introduced uh the extrudes in early access two, oh, yeah, the whole, which, which yeah. took us um uh, to the direction of pinball that we were looking for. Ah, that's, we true. Were actually, that's true, that's yeah, true. That was the
0: second thing, yeah. Uh, yeah. we were iterating uh, around the man, good times. <laughs> <laughs> no, th- yeah, and I and I remember because I, I played that early version and I, and I, I played you know. Th- as you guys made changes and obviously the, the, the one that was eventually released. And yeah, like, like you were saying, almost like a pinball kind of the, the flow state is so much more. Yeah. Before I, I, I I felt like I was more exploring the, and, and and that was part of, part of, uh, you know, the vibe being new too. I was, I was exploring the, my, my, my room scale my play area a little bit more in the game kind of like following the ball and kind of tracking it with my eyes and figuring out where it was going to be and and now it's kind of like you don't even have to you're you're not even thinking about where you're moving or anything like that you're literally just kind of you you know the ball you're like you're waiting for your next kind of load up to then you know figure out where you're going to hit the ball next and not necessarily worrying about anything. So it's like uh, a...
1: It's, it's really cool to hear. That's, <laughs> the, that's the,
0: the best feedback that we can get. Uh, <laughs> yeah, because... really nice. <laughs> no, and... Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 I was going to say, because one of the things, at least for me, like the, the differences that you notice in how you play games uh, and how the design is kind of impacting that is whereas before, you know, you would... You, yeah, you like you said the the I would say the stage felt a little bit bigger. You were kind of you know moving around the stage a lot more, um, yeah, yeah. kind of That's figuring true. out. Now because of the because of the 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 flow that you get in these the the each specific challenge that you're trying to complete feels a little bit more self-contained and self like like you get that immediate satisfaction of being able to like from the time that you start playing till. Uh, the, the moment you finish the challenge, it kind of just like disappeared like it just happened so quickly in your head because you're so mm. engaged the entire time that that the now the down the the downtime isn't looking around for the ball, the downtime is moving through the menus to get to the next challenge. Cool. So it's yeah. like you're you're going like you're you're going from challenge to challenge to challenge now. Uh, mm. you know, whereas yep. before it was more the lull in the like the like the gameplay itself, that was the, the slowdown.
2: Mm-hmm. So, I, but I, I think what we're seeing, what you're describing is uh, pretty unique in the gaming experience in the sense that we were actually exploring the hardware just in the same way that you were exploring the hardware. Yeah. And just like you got to a point where, all right, I get the basics, Right. And, and what now we, we, we got to that point together with our audience exactly. And I think that can be said to, to a lot of VR games that start out early. Right. Yeah. So so for us, it's also it's been pretty weird and cool. It's like, oh, we have this cool thing working and then we put it out. And that's maybe the first version of Racket. And then, it's, all right. So we got we got over the initial hardware hype of like this is novel and interesting. What what needs to be improved here? Um, and that's exactly what we tried improving for the second version, and and this is a continuous process. That's one of the reasons that we defined to ourselves that we are a VR only, or let's say uh, a VR AR only uh, gaming studio, is because being uh, involved in this process of introducing new and radically different hardware into the ecosystem of gaming, and being able to kind of ride this wave and. And uh, with all its implications of like mm-hmm. uh, the the mm-hmm. dynamics of it, the innovation of it, the room for exploration that it allows for, the pioneering that it allows for, mm-hmm. it's just fantastic to us. And and looking forward at the games that we're working on now and imagining for the future, it's uh, it's it's yet another iteration of of uh, of you know tightening things up. All right, we got over this too. We know how to make. A flowing mechanic in VR we know how to make something that's intuitive and fun now mm-hmm. let's make a real game like with a with with a, a world to explore and a story to tell <laughs> and and characters to 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 love and uh, That's like for us. That's the next step in, in VR gaming. That's really what we're also looking for to see happening around us
0: Man, okay, uh, so you just opened a, a, a whole new can of worms there with that because initially I was gonna go down that track. Like, I'm interested to hear more about your perspective on what it was like, uh, to develop a game while like for, for platforms that were very much in such an, such a, such an early, you know, kind of foundational moment for their development. Like it, I mean, Mm -hmm. I don't think there's really been anything quite, I mean, not in, in decades really, has there been like a medium like VR where literally it, it was released to consumers, Almost as a development kit, in the sense of there hadn't really been any full products or any kind of full, full you know software products out to to really right. see what was successful and what wasn't and what the approach was going to be. It was kind of all on everyone to figure out. So I, yep. so I'm 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 curious. So let's talk about that first. What what I mean has has thing. Have, did things go down a completely different direction than what you had initially anticipated in VR or what's your kind of outlook on, on all of that? Uh, (laughs) We're laughing here. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's a funny question. Maybe
2: I'd start by saying that developing for VR is not for the faint of heart. Yeah. (laughs) Um, things are extremely volatile. Um, understanding the users is very different than in other games because this is a developing community and it's not uh, representative of the gamer population at large. It's a subsection and it's not uh, Mm homogenous. And and also, you really need to be light on your feet because everything is changing Mm. so quickly. All the time.
1: Yeah,
2: I'm sorry. I'm not sure if I'm allowed to swear. Um, No, go ahead. Do it. (laughs) (laughs)
0: I forget how it goes with Americans. So. <laughs> no, no, no. Feel free to say whatever you want to say.
2: All right. Uh, yeah. So, so yeah. So, so, that's like maybe uh, my initial thing. But uh, yeah. do you have anything to say about like how, how, how it turned out?
1: <sighs> Let's say we predicted um, that following the hype uh, that started in 2016, we're going to have a slope. Uh, on 2017 and uh, actually the first half of 2018 um, didn't bring anything new yet in Mm -hmm. terms of uh, let's say hardware or uh, um, very notable uh, titles except of Beat Saber maybe? Yeah, Mm
0: -hmm.
2: but I feel that Beat Saber is kind of a uh, summary of all that we've learned about VR so far And it's yeah, it's not so much a I've seen uh, people
0: I've seen people compare Rocket, racket NX next to beat saber in that yeah like it, the flow states the visual style like all of these like uh, elements yeah. that I think uh, are very cohesive and 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 engaging players in VR something I think that people have attributed to both games so
1: mm.
2: yeah, that's cool. Uh, we're really kind of waiting for uh, new stuff on two fronts. One of them is hardware And obviously, we're looking at uh, mobile VR, and we're looking at Knuckles, and we're looking at uh, higher definition and all these kind of things. New technologies in this, really, because we Mm -hmm. see a lot of things and following a lot of things in AR and VR, except for the Santa Cruz kind of seems stuck a little bit right now, Mm hardware-wise. Yeah, I think that... Yeah. And yeah. the other side, we're uh, waiting to see, we're, we're not really waiting because we're doing it ourselves as well, but we also really like to start seeing actual games in VR. Because this is all nice, this is all fun, but um, when I when I compare the quality of the personal experience that I get from pancake games mm-hmm. and those that I get from the current VR games, mm-hmm. the current VR games are very much first-gen games, mm-hmm. right, Dan? You know, barring like Skyrim and Fallout and these games that are just adapted basically, um, I'm waiting to see how other people actually start telling stories in VR and incorporating what we've learned about VR mechanics in these stories. Mm-hmm. And this is something that's pretty complicated right now because mm-hmm. the budgets are still a problem. Yeah. And, uh, and the population is still relatively uh, uh, small. But I think that we've learned so many basics about how to do certain things in VR Mm -hmm. that it's really time that we start using the medium uh, in this way and I think that it has the potential to be extremely powerful in terms of storytelling because of the immersion and because of the uh, um, uh, uh, devotion that it takes. Just, Just putting your headset on and forgetting about reality already commits you in a certain way. And this really allows, I think, for a certain amount of like storytelling that we haven't really experienced in pancake games. So it's it's re- yeah,
0: you know, it's really fascinating that you guys are so focused on 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 character and story because it's almost like with this medium, you see these waves of of people that are in their own kind of silos, uh, figuring out things for themselves, like kind of separately and in different ways from each other, yeah. but almost in the same kind of cadence. I if it, i mean i've i've done like countless numbers of these interviews now with all kinds of developers from all over the world and i wouldn't say until i mean it really just like the last the last several months all of a sudden i've been hearing a lot of talk about story and character in vr from that's, it,
2: that's because it's time yeah
0: <laughs> it, it's really it's really fascinating and and like i said everybody has kind of a different approach to it but it's similar mm-hmm. in that i think I, I think it tells you kind of where uh like you know all of all of these minds are yeah, kind of heading all connected yeah <laughs>
2: we're <laughs> riding the same wave you know <laughs>
0: yeah I mean and that's such a big uh you know a big jump jo- like I mean I I know you kind of barely harped on it like as far as like I know you you mentioned you you guys are waiting what are the technological advances that you're waiting for in terms of what do you think will make a big difference going forward? Because I know, like on one hand, um, we've seen some developments as far as like slightly higher resolution though. You know, the resolution still isn't great, so that's not necessarily like a, like I don't think, I I haven't had anyone, like every now and then you show VR to someone and they'll mention that it looks a little blurry, but that's usually not the, I don't think the thing that holds people back even even with the lower, you mentioned locomotion before and there's still not being a, a great solution for those problems yeah. yet I mean, what what is it that what are our, our major problems right now that we need to solve for? Uh, I, I think that first
1: we have to be released from cables
0: <laughs> Okay. Yeah, that's <laughs> yes. the,
1: the, yeah, that, that's maybe the, the the obvious and first step yeah. uh,
2: I think like also there's a matter of uh, cumbrance um, Yeah yeah, uh, I obviously I have VR at home, uh-huh. and uh, the ease with which I open a pancake yes. game,
0: yeah.
2: as opposed to the uh, decision that I need to make, make. in order to start yeah. a, a VR yeah. session. I agree. Uh, it partia- it partially has to do with the fact that you know I need to move a, move a chair. Yep. Uh, but it's also like just putting the headset on. I have a Vive without like the uh, what do you call it the uh, headset the thing that makes it more yeah, comfortable yeah yeah yeah. yeah
0: yeah
2: um and uh so i need to put on the headphones i need to strap the thing in yeah uh, it's it's pretty heavy um it, it's it's just
0: it's it's a commitment it's a commitment it's a huge but, barrier of
2: entry um and i think that just minimizing it uh, making it cordless um making it lighter and easier to wear uh, these things are pretty, these are the things that we're looking at, making yeah. it mobile, but that's that's already maybe also kind of stepping on the toes of AR and where AR is going.
1: Yeah, okay. yeah you know, it's kind of funny because it, it's, it's like a catch-22 because to bring in the gamer community, you need great content, but um, you also need great hardware and... Uh, in order to make great content you need uh, big budgets mm-hmm. uh, and and so you you can you can see this uh this this funny loop but but you know the industry um just strides forward um,
2: it lifts itself by its own bootstraps it yeah. just
1: takes a while yeah so it takes a while but we'll, we'll get there for sure
0: yeah. yeah no it's i mean it's a unique position to be in because when you look at the development of early video games just in general and how how slowly, relative to VR, uh, you know those those processes were allowed to develop. I mean, you look yeah. at I mean, can, I mean the the number the strides in software. I think uh, from early VR titles to kind of what we're seeing now, I think are, are 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 really big steps in a relative short amount of time. But for a lot of people out there, they just want like as as soon as they try something, they want you know something they want triple
1: a pc game you know
0: (laughs) yeah and so it's it is a really challenging position to be in and especially like i guess that's a good that that's a good transition into talking about what it's been like for you guys to to release an early access and then eventually release a title um what what's that process been like to be able to from the beginning kind of Show people what you're working on and and develop over time with the community also being able to see what you're up to
2: So I think uh, I think that um, I'll say two contrary things Uh, our next game will probably not be early access, okay but track it the next Absolutely had to be early access and we don't regret any of it for a moment Mm. Um. The the our players really really helped us with everything, especially in the uncertain, uncharted territories of early early days in VR. Mm-hmm. Um, like many other VR developers, we had uh, some really rough patches uh, along the way. Basically, the game came out about nine months after what we had hoped we could bring it. Uh, yeah. We we could do it, and it wasn't because we weren't working fast enough.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> um, and And just having our fans uh, um, cheering us basically and enjoying our game and getting it is really what what held us uh, together during this uh, the the tougher parts. So there's no question that bringing racket out in in early access was the right thing. Uh, we have amazing players that really helped us during the process and really helped keep things together. Mm-hmm. Uh, the reason we probably won't do it uh, for our next game is that uh, first of all, like, like I said, we really want to focus more on lore and narrative and stuff like that. That mm-hmm. makes it a little more difficult and complicated to, to make.
0: Mm-hmm. But
2: also um, it feels to me like the, the, uh, the coming period in VR of maybe a year, maybe maybe even two, I'm reluctant to predict any big changes in hardware. All right, and I'm reluctant to predict any big changes in basic. Um, uh, let's say media language in VR so like how do you do UI how do you do mechanics what works what does work locomotion styles etc mm. so it feels to me that if we are like we have a very short time in which we want to do something that is very high quality and has a lot of content in it mm. and it's it's going to take everything we have and since we already feel pretty comfortable with a lot of the basics mm-hmm we can really focus on on the game uh, with beta t- testing and alpha testing and all this kind of stuff, but if we don't have to um, uh, have something that is always playable, hmm. then I think that we stand a better chance of of, of delivering a good product hmm. in the short amount of time that we have to deliver it. So,
0: so correct me if I'm wrong, but am I hearing that like it, it almost sounds like you want to make like the best VR title using like it's all like the culmination of where VR has gotten up to this point. You want to make the best of that, whatever that is. No, 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 no. no. We
2: want to take it to the next step.
0: Next step. We okay. Want to take it
2: to the next step. We want to take everything that VR has 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 gotten so far, and then use that as our stepping stone for the next step. Use all that we have learned hmm. and bite off the next the next chunk of what can be done in VR.
0: Got it. And not not really like go in like, yeah, figure out what that next step is on your by yourselves rather than waiting for someone to tell you what that is potentially going to be.
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And again, I think uh, I think that it has to do with story. I think that it has to do with lore, you know, having an interesting world to Mm -hmm. to feel that you are part of, which is something that to me is very, very lacking in VR, even the games with the best mechanics. Mm-hmm. uh including racket and x obviously mm-hmm. it's not, you don't feel like you're in a different uh uh reality that is intriguing and uh you know compels you to to explore or puts you in a very like uh nuanced mood mm-hmm. or anything like that and i think that vr has such huge potential in these realms mm-hmm. that, um, that, yeah, that's, that's one of the things that are most interesting to us right now.
0: This is, this is going to be a kind of an interesting question, like as far as, cause it, I think it, it, it tells something about the future where you guys are looking at and also kind of the past. Uh, mm-hmm. What are some of the ways that we can attract kind of new, Players and and a new audience for something that's already been introduced. The reason I say that is because, I mean, like with an early access title, for example, like I can only imagine, and I'm sure you can speak to it at more length, like the maybe perhaps some of the difficulties of releasing a game in one state and then, you know, a year or two later the game is now in a completely different state, and now how do you communicate that to people to potentially get. You know, new people that haven't jumped on board before, interested in this, in 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 what is essentially a different product than where it began, right? Um, the, but, the chali- but
2: are you talking about uh, racket and like the difference between the first release and the last release, or are you talking that, about racket and a second game that comes later?
0: That the second game that came later, and actually VR in general, because part of mm-hmm. what I'm part of what I'm trying to get at, and I, I think this is all like a like an interesting uh, set of challenges is uh, when you create certain expectations for people, um, what's the best way to break those expectations and to also get kind of a new audience? Because uh, part of what you, were, you had mentioned earlier about the, the current uh, state of VR, I mean, we do have a very, I think, um, interesting uh, you know, type of audience in the VR uh, consumer space because it's not really like you said. There, it's not really representative of the average, you know, video game player. They're not like a lot of them aren't just ac- just consumers. They're they're all. Some of them are, are amateur developers. Some of them are are professional developers. Some of them are like they have unique kind of interests, uh, and and they've kind of developed their interest of VR over time into. You know, liking a lot of the tropes and conventions that have been presented to them at this point, like, uh, like there's such a a big and I'm 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 more along the lines it sounds like of you guys where I'm I'm still not really convinced of most of if any of the locomotion systems that are out there so far. Um, But there's there's a a, a decent chunk of people out there with HMDs that are just convinced that you know using a, a thumb pad or a joystick to move around in a VR space is like. The way to go, in mm-hmm. in a lot of these, and, and and I think these are just like developments that have occurred, you know, over this brief history of VR based on what's been able to be done. But moving yeah. forward, like, like you said, like you want people to be open to new ideas, new types of games, and these story-driven character games that, that you guys are working on that are hopefully the future of the medium. are it's so different than I think what people have grown yeah. accustomed to playing in VR. So, so is from your perspective, is as a developer, do you just do your best to make the most engaging experience possible and hope that people are going to be on board, or like what's, what, I mean, what, what do you see as kind of the big challenge in, in opening VR to a more expansive uh, um, audience, uh, given where it's been so far, and and
2: yeah, there's a lot to unpack there. Yeah,
0: no, that's. <laughs> And i, yeah, I sometimes go overboard with, but the, these are just like ideas I hearing you talk, I, yeah,
2: yeah, so I think first of all, if we can't challenge what is currently happening in v r already, all right, since it's uh, it's it's just been like two, three years, yeah, if things are already unchallengeable, then we are not in a good place, yeah, mm-hmm. all right mm-hmm. um, so I, I I think for us, it's like. The, the tropes that work for us are fine, the ones that don't, uh, we, we want to challenge. Yeah. Um, one of the things that is sorely lacking right now, in my opinion, is that when I look at screenshot from, uh, screenshots from VR games, they are never more compelling than screenshots from pancake games. Mm-hmm. All right? I, 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 the only thing that could be more compelling is the fact that I know that they are in VR. <clears throat> and if i want to bring more people into vr <clears throat> I, um i really need to rely on the content and not on their technical enthusiasm
0: mm-hmm.
2: all right mm-hmm. I, I think mm-hmm. so it's not that the next game that i made that we're making is a game that is meant for people who don't have vr yet right mm-hmm. we are definitely like I spent a lot of time trying to understand the VR community better, and I've been on Reddit every day, and I've been on Steam every day, and I talk with people in in every opportunity that I get to, and with other developers, and trying to understand uh, what kind of things uh, people in VR like, why, and what's the um, and what's in common with the things that i like because i'm not the technical the, the uh, n- none of us are the typical vr enthusiast none mm-hmm. of us are um tech junkies let's put it this way or none of us are um i think there's a good chance that all of us would have a vr headset at home even if we weren't developers but we would probably not be enthusiasts just yet because we're very content uh, yeah. oriented mm-hmm. as opposed to what racket might suggest mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um so, so for us, it's really about doing a game that we would like to play and looking for what's missing for us right now in VR. Um, trying to, on the one hand, capitalize on the tropes that have been established and work well, avoid or challenge the tropes or the places where we feel that VR hasn't gotten to a good uh, solution yet, sometimes even just trying to sidestep them or own them. And on the, at the same time, try making something that is as compelling yeah. as games that we can play on the PC okay. or on a console, because because it's time. It's really time that we went to the next uh, level with the VR. Uh, that's my thing at
0: least what do you think and i I don't want you to you know talk about things that you're not ready to talk about yet or anything like that but i mean what are some of the advantages or some of the unique attributes of vr that you think could benefit storytelling because i i'm i am i i'm like you i i'm i i love story like i i love story driven games i love characters i love like the the types of game experiences i'm not the kind of person that you know tends to spend like hours and hours in a multiplayer game like like i, I i'm more of a story driven type of person and i i like more narrative even yeah i like more narrative focused video games just point blank and and yeah. i'm just kind of curious on i mean uh you know i don't necessarily want to just see something that could be done well in a pancake game like you said Um, just you know yeah. transposed into vr that's, like, that's right wh- exactly wh- yeah. what 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 do you think the VR medium can do for those types of experiences?
2: So I'd say first and foremost, immersion. immersion. Um, It's just uh, your identification with the character that you play, the uh, sense of presence in your environment. All these things can really take things up a notch in terms of uh, of immersion. Your agency in terms of like where you're looking, what you're doing is much, much higher. Uh, That's like the obvious point. Mm -hmm. Uh, The second thing is that um, in terms of uh, storytelling itself, um, so there's a lot of visual ways that can be explored in VR, and we're looking at several. I don't know if it's uh, even something I can describe in an intelligible way right now. Sure. But Mm -hmm. the art of telling stories is one of the oldest arts in our culture, all right? And it's definitely novel to import that art into VR, and I think that even just taking the mechanics as we know them in VR and the things that we can only do in VR, in terms of like the, the viscerality of the interactions and the physicality and all these kind of things that you can only do in VR, mm-hmm. even just taking these things and, and harness
1: them to the story. Yeah,
2: exactly, and and using them in. Um, in service of telling a story, mm-hmm. using the mechanics, just like we do in normal games, but using VR mechanics in order to to convey ideas and um, illustrate uh, certain elements in the story, etc. These are the things that, that I'm interested in. I don't think there's going to be uh, some revolution in story tr- uh, structure or character arcs or uh, anything like that. There might be new visual uh, methods. Even though so far I've been pretty disappointed with what I've seen. It's mm. usually just oh, the screen closes up a little bit, and you see in a two and a half D movie or something like that. Uh, yeah. Not very impressive. Yeah. Um, but um, hopefully we can do better than that. But uh, but again, it's uh, the novelty is the remix. The novelty is the uh, application of. Uh, the new with the old and harnessing both disciplines, like what we know for VR mechanics and what we know about storytelling to do things that we couldn't do before.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
2: Uh, I, I'll be able to tell you a little bit more in about a year and a half.
0: <laughs> okay. Well, that's uh, hey, at least... At it's le- an
2: exploratory at process for us as well, very much so. Yeah.
0: No, that's that's exciting to hear. And it's awesome to just know that you know things are being... I mean, if anything, it really sounds like a big message that... You're sending out to people is, you know, not to wait for other people to come up with the solutions to a lot of these problems. Like if, if you're a developer or if you're interested in the medium, uh, you know, it's kind of yeah. on us as much as anyone to kind of figure out the potential. Yeah, never wait around. Yep.
2: If you're in VR and you're waiting around, uh, some part of you is not in the right place.
1: Yeah, you need to get your hands dirty. Awesome. Sooner than, than later, yeah.
0: <laughs> well, I, I mean, I think there, that's a good you know, place as any to, to kind of, you know, bring this discussion to a close. I, I wanted to thank you both for, for taking the time to speak with me and for, you know, such a great discussion. Um, for, for people out there that haven't had a chance to play Racket NX yet or, you know, people that want to kind of follow you guys as you work on your next project, what's the best way for people to, to do that?
2: So uh, if anyone's interested in playing Racket, then obviously uh, look up Racket on Steam uh, or on Oculus Store. Uh, we have a, a Discord channel, uh, just uh, discord.gg slash racketnx, one word. Um, and, uh, and that's pretty much the, the best way to, to get into Racket. In terms of following our next game, uh, currently we don't have anything that is public. Uh, when it will be be public, and it'll probably take us a uh, few yeah, more think, months. Yeah. Uh, we'll probably spam it in Reddit <laughs> and, uh, and and Steam and every, <laughs> everywhere we can find. Um, hopefully, it will be uh, appealing enough uh, on itself to to really carry through.
0: Okay. Yep. Well, great. Well, thank you guys again, and uh, yeah, we'll. Uh, be in anticipation to see what you guys come up with soon
2: yeah thank you very much ronnie it's been an absolute pleasure
0: thanks ronnie